This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hello and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. I am Brandon and I am joined on the other line by Josh. Hey Brandon, how are you? I'm good. Now, you may have noticed that I said you are on the other line. (laughs) And uh, I did actually, one of our listeners um, was confounded when I told them we're actually not in the same room when we record this podcast. Yeah, I've I've heard people say this before too. is to it because we just have this really striking rapport, like we're must, looking into each other's eyes? That must be what it is. I, I think, um, I mean, I don't know, I guess people just assume, you know, it, there are a lot of podcasts that I listen to where you don't realize until after, like, you know, like, like for example, like Terry Gross on Fresh Air, uh, she is never, like, basically never, ever in a room with somebody when, when she interviews them. And I was stunned to hear that because she's the legendary interviewer. And you imagine to, the only way to actually conduct that sort of killer interview is to be looking deep into that person's soul at that very moment. Yeah, well. Speaking of looking into somebody's soul, let's talk about game week 12. All right. Um, average score of 45 points. Josh, you were a little below that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it, yeah. So, okay, so on Saturday we had a get-together. Uh, we went to Legends Bar, which is uh, part of the, um, or the, well, the football factory, which was at Legends Bar in Midtown. And uh, we met up with a few friends and uh, um, watched some games together. And uh, I walked out of the bar. Uh, I, <laughs> I I walked out of the get together that we had planned uh, because I, I couldn't take it anymore. Now this this basically you can follow this through um, following the how the Leicester Watford game played out. Yeah, it was the moment when Vardy took the ball. I, I, I guess I know I know like he didn't take the ball off, but you know when Mares gave, gave the ball to Vardy. 
gave the ball to Vardy. And, because uh, you had captain Mahrez, and that was yeah. going to be your moment to basically turn your entire season or season around. <laughs> Maybe. And uh, once that happened, I, uh, I just, I, it just, I knew, you know, Payet had already gone off, uh, and it just, I just knew it was not my week again for. In what your, seems like the- I think in your red mist, you actually forgot a crucial element of this story. So at the moment that Vardy got the goal, and you don't have Vardy in your starting lineup, so right. you lost your captaincy goal, everyone mm-hmm. who had Vardy gained on you. So at mm-hmm. that point, you, you turned heel and said, I'm going to go get some cash so <laughs> that I can check out and get out of here. Right. So you went right. and got ga- cash, and then you came back to the table. And as you came back to the table... <laughs> Knowing that you have Schmeichel in goal and Wes Morgan in your back line, that was the point at which Watford <laughs> scored a penalty and you right. lost two clean sheets simultaneously. Yeah, in like the 80th minute or something. And I, I think I put, I, I had been paying, I don't know, I, you know, somehow I, I only had paid for two drinks at like the table we'd moved to. And so I, I put a 20 on the table and I, I just walked out the door. Um, and uh, I went home and I, I took a nap. Actually, I, I slept right through the uh, the Chelsea Stoke City game. And then uh, the first thing you saw when you woke up on Sunday morning was your striker Wilfred Boney going off with a hamstring. Yep, exactly. So I had kind of worked it out. I was like, well, if Boney has a big week, it's it'll kind of be fine, and I'll at least get up to average, uh, and I could still win my head to head with you because you didn't have an especially great week either. Though I got a little better on um, on Sunday. Yeah, Ozil uh, saved my game week. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I woke up early for the the first fixture, and uh, I you know it wasn't it didn't even turn on. I just on my phone in bed, I I checked the score, and uh, Boney had just limped off, and I thought fuck this, and so I fell asleep for two more hours, and uh, I woke up for the uh, the eleven o'clock matches on uh, on Sunday, uh, but it was just you know it was just not. Um, Everything you know, I I used to play online poker, as you know, Brandon. Uh, I do know, yeah. And uh, there, you know, there's there's a line in poker about about running bad, and um, just you know, there are certain times where you just everything is like you're making the right decisions, and they're just not they're, they're not working out. You know, it's I mean, it's like you've got to be critical, and you've got to, you've got to look at your own the way that you're approaching things. Let's I mean, this is true of like anybody who like takes games. Which which of this is right? Fantasy, yeah. it's a game. Uh, any game that you take too seriously, you do have to like you know wonder if you're getting into bad habits or if you're considering all possibilities or or whatever. But sometimes you're actually making perfectly reasonable decisions and it's just not working out. Uh, and I had a run like this uh, several years ago when I was playing a lot, um, where for like four months I just couldn't do anything right, and uh, you know I just like just it was just lost and lost and lost, and it like drove me insane. Uh, but it was a good character building moment. And so now I am able, outside of walking out of a bar, I'm actually able to handle this stuff pretty well now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I will jump out, right I to one blow, of them. I, I didn't want to blow up. I just, I just, I didn't want to have like a whole like fantasy meltdown in a public place. It was, that was, that, that's too pathetic. Yeah. So. It's, it's really funny in a, in a mature way of cutting that off at the pass, you actually, um, create an, uh, a different weird situation where you just sort of uh, ghost. Well, there's no way I could have handled it well <laughs> if I like I couldn't have just stayed there and been an adult. Like I'm still immature enough to have a fit about my fantasy team, uh-huh. but but old enough now that I don't want to do that in front of other people. Now this yeah, relates so, this yeah. this relates to one of the questions we actually got on Twitter from Thomas Boardman at TomTweet84 who asks, "Why am I so poo at FPL?" Yeah, now, Tom, it, it's, your, not, it's not you, it's the game. <laughs> yeah, so th- those are your words of, of consolation for Tom? 
Well, just it's not always your fault. You know, I mean, I, I think that people, when, when things aren't going well in fantasy, pe- people are too results-oriented, you know? I mean, I think that it's not always, I mean, sometimes it's just bad luck, you know? I mean, uh, you know, there, there's, especially if you've been playing for several years, everyone's going to have a bad run. That's just, you're just due, you know? It's just yeah. how, like, you know, I mean, it's 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 soccer. It's not like basketball or something where, you know, a player who averages 25 points is basically always going to get in double figures, you know? I mean, goals are complicated things, and all it takes is one fluky bounce for a clean sheet to get lost or, or you know, one bad call for a referee. And, you a know, balloon you know, floating onto the field. A balloon floating onto the field. So, you know, you can make all the right decisions and still lose. Um, you know, so th- there's no point in getting too worked up about it. I think these, uh, and, these feelings sort of come at the right time after we just finished game week 12 mm-hmm. and we're coming up effectively at the end of the first third of the 2015-2016 season. Right. And uh, so with the international break upon us, we had this great idea to have our first annual Always Cheating one-third season awards. I'm excited about this. So this is basically – we don't want to make it too conventional because if you had a you know, category for like best striker, that would be – Jamie Vardy, right? Like you know, it's yeah. The the stats would speak for themselves if we yeah. did you know best best defender, best goalkeeper, best striker. Yeah. So we're gonna come up with some interesting categories, maybe like somewhere between five and ten, and we're gonna post them on the Always Cheating uh, website. We'll have those up by the end of the week. Yeah. And so, so uh, you can vote on those, and then uh, next week's podcast, which is kind of a weird one because we won't have too much to talk about, uh, we're gonna run through our one third season awards, and um, and then we'll obviously preview game week thirteen too. Yeah, so keep checking alwayscheating.com, the blog tab, and we'll also be tweeting as these awards go live, and you'll be able to vote, or you can just tweet at us with your votes, and we'll tally them, tally them up. Yep. So um, we'll, we'll, but we'll, we'll keep you updated on Facebook and Twitter about uh, what's going on there. Absolutely. Um, and another big event that's happening this week during the break is the Men and Blazers BlazerCon that's happening in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And the two of us, you and me, Josh, we're lucky enough to be going. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. we're we're lucky enough to hang out with a bunch of um, people <laughs> like who love a, nerds. love a good, yeah, yeah, love they love a good catchphrase. Yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't like we applied; we just paid like hundreds of dollars <laughs> to go to this convention. Yeah, so if any of you out there are actually going to be at BlazerCon, like we know our good friends at SoccerCaptains.com are going to be there, and we're going to be there handing out our brand spanking new Always Cheating pins. Um, Same old podcast, Always Cheating. You've probably seen them uh, on our Instagram and on our Twitter feed. We're really happy with how those turned out. Agreed. Are you Um, happy with how they turned out? Oh, very happy. Yeah. Really, you fit a lot of information on there, Brandon. You know, I mean, we, we, I know we went back and forth about this a little bit. And the, you know, the, I think the, so the front just says same old podcast, always treaty with a little hashtag FBL. But then you, like, you worked the website into, like, the, the little, the side of the pin, you know, like, where, where sure, it's right around the rim. And, yeah, that yeah, was very impressive. And I think you even have fantasy Premier League on there somewhere. It was really, I was, I was impressed. One of the, one of the catchphrases I want to, um, Put out there is ask me about my FPL team because speaking about the the nerdiness of FPL, I want people to sort of shout it loud yeah. and proud and sort of wear it on their on their shirt sleeve almost literally. I want you to ask me about how my fantasy Premier League is doing. Yes. You person on the sidewalk, you person across the table from me at this important business meeting. <laughs> Did you we, also captain captain Alexis Sanchez? Are we taking meetings while we're there, Brennan? Are we going to bring like a PowerPoint deck with us? I'm just thinking in our <laughs> daily life. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, so yeah, if if you're if you're in New York, if you're in New York uh, this weekend, you're going to BlazerCon. Uh, definitely hit us up, you know, on Twitter or whatever uh, to find you know find some way to reach out to us, and we'll, we'd love to meet up. And uh, that, I know that first Friday night, the U.S. Men's National Team is playing St. Vincent and the Grenadines, so it would be fun to um, to meet up with some fantasy guys and watch that game, which will have absolutely no fantasy implications. I mean, unless is Brad Guzan starting in that game? Well, he's 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 been called up. I don't know if he'll start or not. As we I mean, discussed at length, he's been in terrible form. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge Nick Romando fan, goalkeeper at Real Salt Lake. I would love yeah. to see him get the start. Yeah. All right, Brandon, should we get into the fantasy, the, the week that was? Yeah, I suppose. Let's, uh, let's start off with the Hail Cheaters Mini League and uh, take stock of how all of, our, all of our hashtag cheaters are doing this week. All right. So uh, let's see the the, the top two uh, are, are the same as same as usual. Uh, Colin Bothwell's I trees down still in first place. Uh, Gear Meld's Isle of Mbumbu is in uh, second. But we have a little movement below. Down below movement. That sounds uh, a little perverse. Yeah, you say you say the third place team, Brandon. Oh yeah, Kauser Slotten FC or Kauser Burslotten. <laughs> is mm-hmm. the Burr silent? I don't know. Kauser yeah. Burslotten FC Loth Kasab. Scored a whopping 50 points. Sorry they're late. I scored 51, so I bested you yet again. <laughs> and uh, he's up. He was number five in the fifth position last week, and now he's up to number three. Not bad. Uh, Stone Cold Centers are Mark Johnson down uh, one from three to four. And then um, uh, three <laughs> triple captain Hazard game week one, uh, William C. is in fifth place. Yeah, That's a it, great team name. <laughs> It is. Do you think that Williams being serious? Did he actually triple captain Hazard in game week one? I don't know. We're gonna. We'll have to. We'll have to take a look. We'll we'll, we'll cover it in the next episode. <laughs> uh, we have to give a special shout out to the high score of the week, which was seventy five points. Again, the the average on game week twelve was forty five. So that's thirty points above average, and that's Sadisu Jabrin. Uh, his team name is Sadisut. And he currently sits in 115th place in the Hail Cheaters table. So um, there is hope for all of us that are languishing uh, far down the table. <laughs> we, we do have it within us to score well and move up. Yeah, that's what I keep telling myself. I feel like I'm, I'm just one well-timed triple captain away from, from jumping up uh, – 300 points or whatever whatever it would take now for me to get, get now because higher. because you you keep slipping 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 uh, is there any temptation to just throw out the triple captain there randomly outside of a double game week which we're all sort of holding out for no because it, it goes back to what i was saying earlier i mean I, I, things are not going well and i'm trying to i mean it, it's kind of crazy because i feel like i actually have something pretty close to a template team and like for someone who is a fairly normal team and is actually paying attention to consistently get these scores in three millions. It's it's crazy, and so at some point I stop blaming myself and I'm blaming the situation, <laughs> like a, like a, like a, like a mom who's mad at her kid. I'm just I'm blaming the situation. Truly, the, uh, the confluence of bad luck that you experienced this past weekend was was pretty unprecedented. Yeah, it, it just I mean you have to laugh at some point, right? It just you know we're not it's not like. It's not rocket science, or no, it's it's not brain surgery. I don't know what it is. No one's going to die. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> and My for fantasy those, team may be dead, but no one in real life is actually going to die. That's true. If you die in FPL, you don't die in real life. It's not like <laughs> the Matrix, right? Uh, for our, for those of us who aren't trying to track our scores, we we have other pursuits in our life. I like to look at the Hail Cheaters table and pick out my favorite team name week to week. Mm-hmm. 
this week is a little different because uh, I found this guy in the 163rd position. His uh-huh. team name is Fussball Gots. <laughs> I'm less impressed with his actual team name, more the uh, the actual name of this guy. Yeah, so you this is the, a real name too. It definitely is a real name. Phil Buffatimbi Bentakaku. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, what are the odds that his name would have so many names of fantasy Premier League players? But so, you have to use your real name. So you know, my, the, my question is where the Phil comes. So obviously we Phil know. Phil Jagielka, obviously. No, I was going to say Phil Bardsley. You uh, don't think that's Phil Bardley, Bardsley? Or, or what about Phil Aspilicueta? Oh, that's Doug, right? Does he, <laughs> Dave. Does he go by Dave? Oh. <laughs> Phil Jones, maybe? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe it's Phil Jones. So anyway, that, that, is a, that is a very provocative name, and I, I applaud you, sir. Uh, so yeah, you can still join the Hell Cheaters Mini League. Uh, we've been pretty steady, like still picking up new people. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, I see we have a couple who are, who are still to join in the next points update. So we have to continually welcome new people. And uh, the, the code to join is on our Twitter page and at alwayscheating.com. You can click on the Leagues tab. All right, so let's get into the week that was. Game week 12. I realized actually after we had recorded the podcast last episode that I kept referring to um, a game week 10 as opposed to game week 11. Oh, well, no one, no one caught it, I guess. Well, for those astute listeners, if you actually go back and listen to the, um, the show, any instance where I could actually name the number of the game week, it's suspiciously cut out. And there is <laughs> one instance where I say, game week 11. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a little Easter egg for you. <laughs> because I'm terrified of making a mistake. <laughs> thus, is, uh, thus is the power of editing. So all right, so game week twelve, um, yeah. man. So we actually we showed up to the football factory quite early for the uh, Bournemouth Newcastle mm-hmm. game, which was really interesting. Not that we're going to get too much into it, but it sort of set the table for a week of goalkeep goalkeepers that love to punch. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, what is uh, the the Newcastle uh, Rob um, Rob Rob Elliott for Rob Newcastle? Elliott. Yeah. Basically, any ball that came into the box, even where he he could have basically just done a basket catch with both arms, he chose <laughs> to just punch. Uh, it was really bizarre. It's external. Yeah, I mean, good punches mostly. mostly I got good. the I got the sense that he was just terrified of making a mistake. It was a really tight game, and they were under siege by Bournemouth. Yeah. The entire time, and he just did not want that goal to be uh, on his the blood to be on his hands. That that match to me, and this isn't one of the three matches we're, we're plenty to talk about, but just briefly, that match to me was like a it's like a boxer who like Bournemouth. Bournemouth it was like it was like a Muhammad Ali fight. You know, that was uh, like Muhammad Ali's thing was like like let them punch themselves out, you know, and like Newcastle. And actually, I'm not sure if that was really their strategy if they're just not very good. Uh, probably a little bit of both, um, yeah. but Bournemouth, you know, went down one goal, and from the thirty, right around the twenty fifth, thirtieth minute, um, and uh, from the thirtieth minute to the seventieth minute or so, they threw everything they could um, at Newcastle, and it was not, which is not an easy thing to do considering they had no strikers. So, I mean, they they, they really yeah, they were playing they, Joshua King up front, which was interesting. Yeah, it's it's really too bad because with all the injuries, they really do look like a championship team now, right? I mean, they're, they're a little bit like. Um, Reading like three years ago. Remember when Reading came up? And I do, yeah. Pavel Pogrebniak. Yeah, and they started kind of okay, sort of like Bournemouth, and then um, and then they just didn't have it. You know, they yeah. just didn't have enough enough firepower. They didn't have enough 
real Premier League talent. And, you know, because I think Bournemouth, like, the strength of them so far has been this kind of yeah, syner- for lack of, you know, synergistic quality where, you know, they, 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 you know, they really like they're, they're a small club and they know it and they, they own up to it and they just, they all seem to play for each other. And there seems to be a great you know, ethic there and a great, you know, sort of team spirit. And I think, you know, the Callum Wilson thing was tough, but then I think all the defender injuries too have really just knocked him off. Yeah. I think you made the point last week that they're this season's Burnley and it's so dispiriting as a general football fan to watch a team like that, that, they seem to have their heart in the right place, but everything is going against them. Let me ask you this. If they had Tyrone Mings, what yeah. place would, would they be in a Champions League spot right now? I think they'd be fighting for Europa League, probably. You think so? I, I think they'd actually be leading the league right now. I think Mings would have scored a hat trick in every single game. He would be he would be uh he would be suppressing all the Vardy headlines then. He'd be the first <laughs> player to get um this, ten this would, ten hat tricks in a row. This would be the Ming season instead of the Vardy season. <laughs> Speaking of Vardy, the, there was that infamous game, Leicester-Watford, that we've, we've kind of touched upon. We won't get too much further into that other than that was another missed opportunity for a, uh, a Renieri pizza party. Yeah. I suppose, in hindsight, it, w- it would have made sense to to captain Jack Butland and start, not to captain, but to start Jack Butland instead of, um, instead of Schmeichel. I mean, I really, at this point, I should never be playing my Leicester defense. I need to get rid of them, obviously. Um, you know, and I've been trying to, but I just, you know, my team has been so, tr- it just like, it's just fucked. My team has been fucked for <laughs> so many weeks. And, uh, uh far be I mean, it from us to gloss over the stats. Um, the values of these Leicester city defenders are actually plummeting. Robert Huth yeah. is already down to 4.3. Wes Morgan just dropped, I think it was tonight yeah. or last night. Yeah, I mean, as, as well they should, right? I mean, but, Yeah, they've been garbage all yeah. season. But, I, you know, I did think, I thought there was at least a possibility they gave a clean sheet at home to Watford. And, you know, I mean, they very seem- well should have, uh, except for um, Mr. Conte decided to have a very ill advised, unnecessary challenge in the box. It was. Yeah, very frustrating. And yeah, Conte, who'd scored the goal a few minutes before. So, and, you know, so at the time it seemed like a good decision. And then, you know, I know Butler Don't you think he was due, though, because the nature of the goal that Conte scored, which was the howler by Gomez? Yeah. Karma sort of immediately came back and rectified it. I guess so. And then, you know, in in hindsight, it makes, I should have just Captain Butland because, you know, you just can't ever expect a a, a clean, or I keep saying Captain, I just mean start Butland, um, because you can never expect a clean sheet from um, a luster defense right now. And and even if Chelsea had scored, as I really would have expected them to do, uh, you know, I know that that team is in crisis right now, but I think they've scored in every game, right? I mean, yeah, so... You know, I don't know. I should have just rode the hot hand because I, 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 you know, I would have had save points regardless. So you know, whatever. You know, I've left like fifty points on my bench the last couple of weeks, and that's just how it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I don't mean to make this whole episode about about my like crummy team, but uh, that 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 game in particular was kind of a source. Well, I mean, to go back to the Hail Cheaters mini league, you look at the point totals up at the top of the table, like Colin Bothwell with forty eight, Ild Nabumbu for it with forty nine. It's not like this was a high scoring week. Yeah, um, I think that's true. And if you look at the, the captaincy options, none of them paid off except for Jamie Vardy. Um, so I, I think a lot of people left game week 12 feeling really disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And so, you know, it is what it is. Um, 
Uh, I I actually enjoyed a little bit of good luck and good fortune uh, looking at the Norwich One Swansea Zero. We had talked last week about um, how could I resist putting Andre Ayew in my FPL team instead of yep. leaving him on the bench. And against the advice that we put forward in the last podcast, I actually did bench Ayew in favor of Ozil. And who, there was somebody on Twitter who actually pointed that out. Like they were, they were thrilled that they didn't actually follow our advice. Yeah, I think that was uh, Black Horse Cav eighty five Jim Payne. Um, yeah, sorry about that, Jim. Yeah, he he started Ozil. I guess he captain Ozil actually, so it worked out worked out well for him. He has nothing to complain about. I, that was actually more of a humble brag than a than a complaint. Fair, fair enough. I mean. Hey, I'm, I have no problem with humble bragging. I, I do a fair amount of it myself. <laughs> uh, Sunderland zero, Southampton one. Mane failed to produce when a lot of people were bringing them into bringing him into their squads. And then uh, we get to our first featured game of the week. Um, what I what I called last week the uh, official always cheating pure watch of game week twelve. <laughs> And I, I'm thinking of trying to contact uh, Jonathan Franzen, author of the novel Purity, to sponsor our Always Cheating Pure Watch. Or maybe FSG, his publisher, maybe they would do something. Absolutely. I think they probably got a few bucks burning a hole in their pocket. <laughs> so um, we watched this one side by side with the Lester Watford game. And um, of course, the big news in this fixture was Payette going off. Yeah, Payet, uh, a, a fairly his ownership is probably. Um, I mean, I know it's dropping now. Uh, let's see, as of as of this podcast, his ownership is he's owned by almost a third of the league. Uh, thirty, he's at thirty one point nine percent. That's after a few sell offs have already taken place. It's absolutely insane. We're gonna we're gonna get to some Twitter questions later on in the episode, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth on what to do with Payet. But first and foremost, it's crazy that. Um, it's crazy that James McCarthy wasn't sent off for two virtually identical scissor tackles from behind on Payet. Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I don't really understand that. I mean, uh, I, I feel I like he was tell, clearly targeting Payet. I can't tell if the refereeing is getting worse or if it's just that there are so many cameras on that nothing is missed anymore, right? I mean, because you have you have one referee running on the pitch, yeah, and you've got like six thousand cameras that show every shot of everyone doing everything at all at, at all times, yeah. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that that the ref, like running around trying to watch twenty two people at once, like could actually miss something every now and then, yeah. So you know, I mean. Anyway, yeah, it was it was annoying that he wasn't sent off. That's for sure. And um, yeah, and now uh, Payet's out for like what we think is something like three months. So yeah. I mean, terrible. I mean, he's going to miss all the Christmas fixtures. Um, you know, I guess it opens the template app a little bit, which um, is an interesting thing for us to discuss here. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess yeah. Let's just talk about what we do with Payet. I mean, yeah. I I have avoided this bandwagon sometimes to my chagrin, now to my great delight. <laughs> but his injury does come at a good time while people are all um, tinkering and trying to save cash here and there to get Aguero back in. Yeah, I, I think um, – yeah, you're right. I mean, so basically, you know, Payet is somewhere – depending on when you, where you bought him, he's right around the, the 8 million range, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere between 7.8 and 8.2 or 3. Uh, he's listed at 8.3 right now, and that he'll probably get down to 8.1, I would think, by the end of the weekend. Um, or by the weekend, and um, if, if the plan is to bring in Aguero, Aguero is around thirteen million. If you are getting rid of, like, if you don't have, a, if your if your cash reserves aren't very high in your bank right now, 
you actually can't get rid of Payet to do it, but he could be part of multiple moves that you take in order to do it, right? Like How many FPL you, managers out there could really get Aguero in one move, though? Yeah. There can't not, be any. Not me. I guess I could have done it if instead of Mane I brought in... Um, well, you, well, you have like uh, $4 million in the bank. That's quite I've got a about chunk four, of change. Yeah, I've got about $4 million in the bank right now. So I could turn... Um, I could turn Payet into Ross Barkley, and that would give me enough money to turn um, like Boney into Aguero, uh, which is which is the move that I'm considering. Okay, so so let's let's talk about Payet alternatives. Yeah, so this is an actually an interesting fixture, West Ham versus Everton, because both of these teams have great low to mid price attacking midfielder options. Right. On Everton, you have Jerry De La Feo. On West Ham, the star of this game was Lanzini, right. who seems to be a very undervalued uh, attacking midfielder from Argentina. Yeah, he really does seem underrated. I mean, it, at that at five point three, he actually would be an interesting option if you if you really need to if you need a lot of cash. Like you could turn um, De Bruyne into Lanzini, and that would probably give you the money you needed to right. to bring in Aguero. But how I much- mean, I know I know this flat. Eyes in the face of what? See, in the last podcast, we were still the impression that he wasn't going to be back for quite a while. I mean, now now that he's apparently going to be like ready for Liverpool, um, it obviously changes the game completely. Um, I still think there's an argument against bringing him in the very week that he's available. Like, just because I'm freeing up enough money with a move to bring in Aguero doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to do it and burn four points. Right. Because I think there's an extremely good chance, although we'll know more next week. Uh, whether he's going to play right away or if he's going to come in at like the 75th minute and play for 15 minutes, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, even though he's that dangerous, you're not getting 18 points from Aguero in 15 minutes. Right, right. But is it worth getting another West Ham player in the midfield without is Piat enough of the the hub of, of that team that if you take him out, this West Ham's team's performances are going to dip? Well, I, I think so. I mean, if you watch those West Ham games, I mean, he is abs- he's running the show, right? I mean, I don't know how much West Ham you've watched this year, but that guy is, it seems like every key pass is coming from him, right? Every every free kick is coming off his leg. Yeah. Uh, there are upcoming fixtures, uh, Tottenham away, West Brom at home, then uh, Manchester United, Stoke at home, Swansea away. It's not a terribly intimidating fixture list. I don't know. I mean, that, that's it's not a great fixture list, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, they could. You could, I could see them not scoring in like three or four out of five of those games. All right. But it's hardly worth worth talking about if you look at Everton. You got Jerry D. You have uh, Ross Barkley. Barkley. Yeah, Ross Barkley, who hasn't yeah. been super consistent, but we 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 expect he's probably he's he's really overdue. Yeah, and their fixtures are home home to Aston Villa, away to Bournemouth, home to Crystal Palace, away to Norwich, then home to Leicester City. Yeah. So the uh, so the the question is, if you're bringing in one of the Everton midfielders, do you do you ride the hot hand, which is which is Jerry D, mm-hmm. uh, who you know is very tempting. I mean, uh, I I was debating between Delafeo and Mane. Um, I I'm not I I don't regret the I mean I regret the Mane decision because Delafeo did score more, but Delafeo is not. You know, he's not that consistent. I mean, uh, he strikes me as the classic player that will have a couple of good weeks. Well, I guess it's not too dissimilar from Ross Barkley. Yeah. And then he'll just disappear. And it's not like De La Feu has spent a season being instrumental on that team. Maybe he is really emerging, but I don't think the stats would show this is a guy that you're going to bet on. 
He doesn't seem like he ever really plays the full 90. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure if that's a defensive issue or what exactly. But at, at 6.2, uh, it would free up a lot of cash. Uh, and Bark, but you know, Barclay is not that much more, you know, he's 6.8 and he's certainly very involved in the action. I, I, I'm surprised we haven't seen anything from him in the last two games, uh, especially in that, that Sunderland game. He had a couple opportunities to, to, to put one away and just didn't do it. So, um, if I think I, one, if, I, if somebody asked me, I'd say coming off of the international break, maybe Ross Barkley is going to be a little more rejuvenated depending mm-hmm. on how things go. I mean, maybe he could uh, break his knee or something like that. But I will put money on Ross, Ross Barkley's performance over Jerry D's performance coming off the international break. All right, let me throw one more name at you. Uh, and this one, this one comes with some risk. Um, but Johan Kabai, his next two fixtures are Sunderland at home, Newcastle at home. Then Everton away, then Southampton at home. Stoke away, Bournemouth away. Okay. So. Just if you were taking a short a short punt on a player, Johan Gabay is six point six million, and is facing arguably the two worst teams in the league, sort of in the running with Bournemouth, uh, at home two matches in a row. What are the odds that there's a penalty in one of those two games? Like better than fifty percent, would you say? Uh, yeah. I mean, Kabai's on you know four goals on the season, one assist, uh, picked up uh, ten bonus points already. Um, if you it, wanted, it all depends like a, on if Lee Cattermall is going to be back in the mix. The one, but the, the risk here is that Johan Gabay is actually on four yellow cards, which really surprised me when I found that out. Doesn't well, seem doesn't four seem a little high to you? All for descent? Does he just have a potty mouth? Is he swearing at the ref all the time? I, I think that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. So you know, Kabai with with four is a, is a little dangerous. Um, so the problem I, with Kabai is he doesn't get enough goals from open play or enough points. From open play, yeah, he's relying on those set pieces and the PKs. But one would think in a in two matches at home to two of the worst teams in the league, he's going to find some opportunities. Yeah, so yeah. I'm just saying he's an interesting option. I mean, uh, I would love for Sacco to be starting more consistently, and I think that would be a really interesting option too. But and he did start at Liverpool, but um, I think you have to worry a little bit about his uh, the consistency of his starts right now. Absolutely. Although he's five point three, so if we if we if you could feel confident in Bakary Sako starting every week, that would be another interesting option. Um, any other mid, any other mid price midfielders that that are turning your head right now as a, as a possible uh, Payet replacement? Well, not having Payet, my my issue is I need to unload Andre Ayu. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm actually looking to get a bargain bargain midfielder. I'm looking to get somebody that's. 5.0 or below. So we're, I'm talking about the options that we were looking at in the last episode, the Deli Ali's of the world. Right, right. Wes Houlihan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if we look at my mid, midfield with Alexis Sanchez, Kevin De Bruyne, Mesut Ozil, Riyad Mahrez, I don't know who needs to be replaced there. Also, yeah. Talking I mean, about long-term Aguero strategy, I'm also not sure who's going to get replaced. Yeah, because you, you'd have to bring in someone. you you, you got to free up more cash than you'd get from selling Mar. I mean, people talk about getting rid of Mares, which I, which I still think is crazy because I just don't think that um, there's any reason right now to yeah. to get. I mean, given given the way that offense is set up, I mean, it, everything's still flowing through. He didn't score in the last game, but he looked good. Yeah, he yeah. he actually kind of had an. I mean, he had a. Had an assist that didn't count in that game. That first goal was was uh, well, you know it was kicked out from a, yeah, from a defender. But yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. 
Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about strategy coming up when we answer some of your questions from Twitter. But uh, let's let's stick a little bit. Let's stick to game week twelve for the moment. Okay. All right, so the next game we're going to talk about is actually Stoke City versus Chelsea, which um, I don't think you watched this game, Josh, but I did, and I really, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw the highlights afterwards. And, uh, of course, uh, the eternal question, is it the man or is it the man bun? Arnatovich <laughs> had a fantastic scissor kick goal. But it was it directly resulted from a fortuitous bounce, but there was some excellent uh, midfield build-up play to get the ball actually to Arnatovich. So it was a great goal. Um, yeah, he is he's a hard person to root for. I mean, he just looks like a jerk. Like he looks like somebody who like he's like he's like someone who like would like pick a fight like unprovoked with you like in the hallway in high school. Yeah, Billy Zabkus, the <laughs> blonde-haired uh, villain from Karate Kid, he's of that mold. He is of that mold, and, and it's probably just like the set of his, like it's totally not his fault, right? It's just he, the set of his face, you know, I think looks that way, and the, the man bun doesn't help. It sort of pulls everything back and yeah. makes him look extra pointy yeah. and kind of evil. So, can you see him like in a suit, like trying to kill James Bond? I can, I can, I can definitely imagine that. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. And with like a weird neck, t- neck <laughs> tattoo coming out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, so at, yeah. at, at 6.0, he has currently th- uh, three goals and two assists to his name, and um, I don't know. He's he could be he could be a good bench midfielder, a yeah. downgrade from the likes of Andre Ayew. Yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, for for a while there, there were there were so many mid price midfielder options that you weren't really looking. He wasn't quite enough value to justify it, but um, and I still think long term maybe a little more so than in the immediate fixtures. Stokes next few fixtures are just okay. Um, they're away to Southampton, and they um, they're home to Man City, away to West Ham. Like I, I don't necessarily see a, a ton of goals from them in the next few games. Yeah. It is encouraging, though, Arnatovich minutes are getting a little more consistent. Um, he, earlier in the season, was seeing like 56 minutes, 23 minutes. But now in the last four four games, he's built up from 74 and then uh, two games with ninety, the full 90 and one match with 88 minutes. So his playing time is getting much more consistent. So Chelsea presents an interesting problem because, uh, I mean, almost nobody has a Chelsea player anymore. Yeah, everyone's um, offloaded. Yeah, inc- including me. Uh, thank, thank God, the the Hazard nightmare is finally over. Uh, but uh, the flip side is that uh, their next four of their next five fixtures are incredible. I mean, like it is Everton during their current streak, incredible. Home to Norwich, then away to Tottenham, which typically wouldn't be a huge concern for them. Sure. Home to, home to Bournemouth, away to Leicester, home to Sunderland. I mean, they're playing. You know, th- you know, f- like three, you know, two out of the three worst teams in the league, and Norwich isn't much better. Um, and uh, I mean, was there anybody you'd consider investing in for these fixtures? Well, Defender, ev- everyone maybe? seems to bring, be bringing in Willian at the moment. Willian is the only consistent attacking presence for this team. And let's see, uh, for this week now, he has uh, close to eleven thousand people transferring him in. I think that's he- still not very high. I mean. You know, he's actually his price has dropped over the course of the year. I think he is predicted to have a price rise during the international break. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, it seems like he's doing really well, but he actually is. He only has one assist in the last four games, no goals. 
Yeah, I guess you're you're just trying to find the diamond in the rough there. No, no, I understand. Yeah, it, it's just a weird season. Hazard's down to 10.9, isn't doing anything. Uh, Pedro, huge disappointment. We put out a few taunts <laughs> on the Twitter, uh, sort of anti-Pedro tweets. He he just looks totally out of place on that team. I, I, I mean, who would have thought I, when he that that first game against West Brom, he looked so good. Everyone was bringing him in. Um, he reminds me a little bit of a big superstar that comes to Major League Soccer, and he well, sort of like when Steven Gerrard went to LA Galaxy. He yeah. probably thought he was going to be the big man on campus, and he found that it was actually really physically demanding and not that comfortable. There was a lot of travel involved that he wasn't quite used to. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, it, it's not like he was joining like the like Qatar. Premier League or something, you know. I mean, he had to, like, you know, Chelsea, I mean, most of the players in Chelsea are, he's, you know, they have Spanish guys he's played with in the international. It was very strange. I don't know. I don't really understand what happened there. Yeah. Now there, there's nothing to take away from Chelsea from this game. They're still terrible. And uh, the any de- any defenders. I mean, it seems like you'd want you'd possibly look at defenders for that stretch. Why? Why? I mean, yeah, they have a yeah. good stretch, but they haven't proven anything. They're one of the worst teams in the league. There's no reason to invest. Okay, so this is something. And all, that, their, the, all their defenders yeah. are too expensive for what you're going to get. So this, this I've been, mean, you know, I've been trying to to think Unless about miraculously, um, Poppy Jujubaji at four point nine million starts starting. What's happening this year, and it's fairly unique, I think. I'm sure there have been stretches like this in the past, but it hasn't happened right at the beginning of the season like we're seeing right now, is typically I am a fixtures-over-form player. Mm-hmm. So I will start people who, you know, like, do I think that Peter Schmeichel is anywhere near Jack Butland as a, as a player? I, I don't. Um, but his fixtures are, you know, his defense, defensive Ca- fixtures. Casper Schmeichel, not his father, Peter. Or did I say, oh, you're right, of course, Casper Schmeichel. Uh, I did this all the time. I, I made a Trevor Francis uh, joke in, or in the line in the last podcast, which is a reference to a player who played for Nottingham Forest in the late 70s. Uh, I don't know. I got too much knowledge, too much like, st- like stupid, unconnected knowledge just rattling around in my head. Uh, anyway, uh, so Casper Schmeichel, uh, not as good as Jack Butland, but better fixtures, um, you know, like during the, over the last two matches, and so I was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start um, I'm gonna start Schmeichel instead." And you know, just looking at you know Eden Hazard, who I kept far too long because I'm like, "Well, they're home to Aston Villa," you know, et cetera, et cetera. And in this season, we have seen form trump fixtures again and again and again. We have seen players score in you know away to Newcastle, away to to Liverpool, Man United, like just. There is no stopping players. Players who are in form this season are in form everywhere they go, and they they just are not running into structures of fixtures that are that are that are pulling them back. Um, I mean, I, the only counter example I could think of was Anthony Marshall, who did run into some tough fixtures and kind of did fade a little bit. Um, uh, but and I feel like in general, all of the top players, you know, look at Lukaku away to Southampton, or um, um, I don't know. I mean, there are countless other examples too. Uh, you know, and it just seems like um, you know. I mean, Jamie Vardy obviously that nothing is stopping him home or away right now. Um, you know, defenders are getting clean sheets in matches where they would typically you know concede a goal. And Aspen I don't know. Villa it just gets a clean sheet against Man City. Yeah, exactly. So I think um, I think I have to like change like my my approach a little bit this year and and just start 
playing the foreign players. And I'm not sure, it doesn't seem like that would, I don't know, you know, so maybe, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. This is, this would be categorized more as a bandwagon season, more of a template season than in years past. Yeah. You know, it bears resemblance to the Luis Suarez, Aaron Ramsey, Yaya Torre season. Yeah. And you def you do have to be willing to go along with the crowd. Uh, Yeah. And And I think, and the unconventional picks are generally not being rewarded. Except yeah. for guys like Mesut Ozil, uh, who he, he's basically like Apple stock right now. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and we actually Ozil is another is a great uh, Piat. If, if you're not, I, we we talked about the Piat transfer really with 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 a Hazard strategy in mind. But if you're not planning to bring or Hazard, excuse me, um, uh, Sergio Aguero, if you're not planning to bring in Aguero right away, or you have money that you you can use elsewhere, whatever, then Piat to Ozil makes a lot of sense as a transfer. He's yeah. still not that expensive, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, obviously there there are always there are always some differential options out there. But it does seem like you want to find the people who are performing and just stick with them. Um, and it's not like I have a team of of all, of all differentials, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've got Mares, I've got Sanchez, I've got Pele, I've got Lukaku. Um, you know, even Mane is a you know for fairly well owned player. Yeah. Um, so, but it does seem like, yeah, you just, you, you just got to play Vardy. And so I think, you know, sometimes, um, and we talked about this early in the season as a trap I've actually fallen into, despite arguing against falling into this trap, which is that, um, you get this idea in your head that you have to start chasing differentials right away. But like the only way to come back is to not have the, like the most well-owned players in the league. Um, but in a season like this, um, where Jim, I mean, you know, not even Jimmy Vardy for eight weeks has basically cost me the whole season. You know, I'm like, I can't, I'm not going to be competitive in any leagues, you know, based on not having him in the last eight weeks. I mean, you know, so, um, you know, sometimes you just got to jump on board and just make up the difference elsewhere or, you know, yeah. It looks like there have been uh, two teams of late where you have been able to follow the fixtures and it's strictly defensively with Manchester United and Southampton. Yeah. <clears throat> where you would predict the clean sheets, they seem to be getting them. That's true. And Van Dyke has, has I brought in, I've had 14 points from Van Dyke in the last two weeks. My the, my one shining star. Yeah. Uh, as recommended by me a couple That's of right. Ago. Man, I get a recommendation. I got to start listening to you more often, clearly. <laughs> All right, so uh, our next fixture uh, from Game Week 12 is the North London Derby, Arsenal versus Tottenham. Uh, another compelling game. Uh, no clean sheets to be had. Uh, finish 1-1. And as I said before, Mesut Ozil continues to be the rising star in this team. And uh, a lot of people now asking whether or not they need to have Alexis in their squads. And maybe they just... Maybe they just drop him in favor of Ozil. We actually did have a question relating to this on Twitter from at FPL underscore junior who asked double Arsenal with Sanchez and Ozil. Yeah, uh, there's no reason not to. I mean, getting rid of Sanchez, I mean, it shouldn't be something you dismiss out of hand. I mean, you know, it's it's dangerous not to have him because we know how explosive he can be. but he has the tendency to wear himself out, you know. I mean, he he plays. It's not that he plays too hard, but he plays so hard that I mean, he's only human, you know, and uh, expends an incredible amount of energy. And then he flies halfway around the world, you know, plays a couple internationals, and uh, and then flies all the way back, and then he's immediately in and never takes a break. So, um, you know, I mean, we saw this last season where 
I mean, there was a stretch from like, you know, game week 25 to game week 35 or something where he just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, would you consider, uh, if you didn't have Ozil already, would you consider a Sanchez to Ozil move? Yeah, definitely. Definitely would. Um, there are just so many midfield options right now um, that if if somebody's not performing, and it goes back to what we were just talking about, if yeah. one of these players is not performing, you can't afford to have them on their team with so many others performing. I guess that is starting to change a little bit with injuries coming in. Yeah, but I, I would, but I would not. I would absolutely not look at you sideways if you dropped uh, Alexis in favor of Ozil. You know, Philippe Coutinho is an interesting option, not in game week 13, uh, but game week 14 um, as another midfielder, either as a pirate replacement or maybe a Sanchez move if you wanted to make it. Uh, so they're way to Man City next week. You wouldn't want to bring him in, um, most likely. Uh, but uh, after that, um, Swansea at home, Newcastle away, West Brom at home, uh, Watford away, Leicester at home, Sunderland away after that. A great six-match run for, for Liverpool. Yeah, he's another streaky player, and I'll be curious to see how many people actually go with Coutinho and stick yeah. with him. It's a, it's, the international break comes at a bad time for him. Yeah, he's just hitting his hot streak. Yeah, I was, I was really surprised they lost that game to Crystal Palace. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it because, uh, of course, we were watching this game we're supposed to be talking about right now, Arsenal Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, let's get back to it. <laughs> so um, one of the interesting things of this game is that all of our Arsenal clean sheet dreams seem to be falling apart every which way. <laughs> I mean, despite Peter Cech's best efforts, he did have a great game. Um, but Bellerin is out injured and other routes to Arsenal clean sheets. So a lot of investment was happening there in the Arsenal defense, and I don't think it's really bearing any fruit. It's got to be frustrating to a lot of managers out there. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, like you said, uh, I mean, the, the Everton, I mean, they did have a clean sheet last week, and the the you know the Everton goal two weeks ago was kind of an unlucky one. I mean, it, it, the Bellerin thing is the, is the big difference. I mean, the, really, the Arsenal team is just really beat up right now, and so I think they're, they're, not, they're not able to... to you know, the, they're not having quite as much possession as they have in the past. And you don't have someone like Aaron Ramsey, who it seems like his job in Arsenal, the, the, in the current 11, is basically just to run and run and run and just mm-hmm. like, you know, track back, get forward. I mean, just running all over the place. Yeah. Um, and you don't, you don't have Walcott's pace, which is a little dangerous, forces people to, to you know, to be a little um Yeah, he's able to stretch the defense out a bit. Yeah, stretch the defense a little bit. So I think... Um, you know that team just doesn't isn't at its isn't at full strength right now. And then without Bellerin, I mean, we saw the difference Bellerin made away to to um, to South or down South uh, to uh, Swansea uh, two weeks ago, right? I mean, you know, goal goal saving clearance, um, incredible speed, able to you know able to come back and, and recover you know very quickly. Um, so yeah, until Bellerin's healthy, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be bringing in an, an Arsenal player, despite having pretty good fixtures over the next few weeks. Yeah, this game was really encouraging for the whole Mesut Ozil bandwagon as well, because I feel like last season, if Ozil was in a game like this, he would just recede into the back and yeah. uh, appear very um, languid and out of out of touch. Yeah, but the fact that the he kept, he was playing these magnificent balls into the box so late in the game, and he was still the one on that Arsenal team fighting for the win speaks volumes to how far he's come in the last year. Yeah, I agree. I mean his his points in the last I didn't realize they were just they were this strong. 
Yeah, 13, 12, 5, 10, and 8 in the last five game weeks. That is extraordinary. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he. the concern is that it's going to turn into Cesc Fabregas of last season. He's just going to be on this hot streak, and then suddenly it'll, it'll just vanish, just dissipate. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the Fabregas thing was always a bit of an outlier in the first half of last season anyway, because he he's a bit more, like, his position at Chelsea is a bit more deep line. He's, it, it's almost a Sandy Cazorla style, you know, so you wouldn't actually expect to, you, would, you wouldn't have expected him to have quite as many points as he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but Ozil is really at the, at the forefront of the attack. I mean, you know, he's, he's got all, he's doing all the corners, um, you know, most of the free kicks, um, you know, so really involved in the play. And he's actually scoring a little bit this year. I love that Ozil is taking corners from both sides of the pitch. Uh, as a De Bruyne owner, as many of us are, it's really frustrating when you see a corner kick go out on the wrong side, you know, like, oh, um, Jesus Navas is going to be taking this one instead of De Bruyne. <laughs> well, do you remember when Theo Walcott was on corners for a while? Like, he, he, last season? He, it was insanity. He never took them very well, if I remember. He was terrible. It. it was like part of his contract or something. It was like Theo Walcott should never be taking corners. Yeah, it also seems like, I mean, as a fantasy owner, you have to love a player who takes corners, but just in reality, it seems like the most garbage job. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, looking at Spurs, wouldn't though. You, wouldn't, if you were taking corners, wouldn't you just be trying to score on every corner? Oh, going for the Olympico every time. <laughs> Your teammates would love you. <laughs> well, it's better than like what we see. I, you know, not to get too like sidetracked here, but it is incredible to me that nobody. How often do you see a short corner with no strategy at all, where they just do they like kick it to somebody as like, a short corner, and then they like immediately like, oh, what should I do here? You know, like they're just sort of looking at the ball. I don't know about that. I think I think it's a little more nuanced than that. I mean, think of all the corners that are taken that do not result in goals. You just launch the ball into the box. I don't, actually, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with a short corner, but it doesn't always seem like it's – it doesn't always – I feel like, a, like an attack is being started with a short corner. It's just a short corner to 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 be different. Or something. I want to see some real numbers on output from short corners versus the output from non-short corners. All right. Let's, let's pull some stats. Maybe the next week's podcast we can talk about corners. Well, let's talk about Spurs assets real quick since we're talking about the North London Derby here. Um, Spurs are on a great run of form. Uh, yep, Harry, still, Harry Kane is back. He, he is back, I guess. And now he's, you can actually save money on Kane now. He's at $9.4 million. Actually, he's, he's rising from his low, his low point of the season at 9.2. Yeah. But he's still below his 9.5 starting price, and he is just seems to be picking up some steam. Absolutely. Uh, he has 54, 54 points in the season, and... 33 of those 54 points have been scored in the last three game weeks. I would be less interested in Kane personally as as in some Spurs midfielders. Erickson did look really good, though he's not getting a whole lot of output. But Musa Dembele, weirdly, is one of the more appealing attacking Just but to, to go back to Kane for a second, though, I mean, for someone like me who's really trying to find a player who's slightly under... You know, we talk often on the podcast about... Um, like players who are very highly owned but aren't highly owned within the kind of fantasy, like, you know, the world of people who are listening to fantasy Premier League podcasts, basically. So for someone like for, for someone like me, it actually might make sense to bring in someone like Harry Kane. I mean, his ownership's at 22.1%, which isn't that high, as a possible differential option. 
I mean, five goals, five goals, and eight bonus points, or seven bonus points in the last three games. Um, you know, you have to at least consider it. Bring him in. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Uh, I, what I, about, probably, I probably won't, though. But what about these midfielders? Any temptation there? I mean, <laughs> the problem is their fixture. Their fixture run is a little tough. West Ham, Chelsea, then uh, West Brom, Newcastle, and then Southampton. Yeah, I mean Eric Lamella's looked better, but he's he's suspended now for um, fuck until, that guy. Yeah, that guy, that guy's not very he's not very consistent. I mean, it's a very inconsistent midfield in general. I mean, I, I guess Delia, if you were looking for, we talked about this in the last podcast, but if you're looking for a, a sub five million midfielder, then Delia Alley definitely makes sense as an option. Um, just because all you can hope for is someone with the occasional goal or assist threat at that price range. Um, and you do get that with him. You know, he's got four bonus points in the season, two goals and two assists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, but I mean, would you consider, I mean, Erickson to me just is never worth the money. He's just a little too high priced. If Erickson was at 7.5 or lower, I'd say yes, definitely. Yeah. But um, I know people have talked about Dembele, but I mean, and Dembele did have, he actually has, um, he's been playing a lot better. I mean, he has two goals in his last three games, um, three bonus points. Um, Many people described him as the just fantasy world aside as the as the man of the match for the um, North London Derby. Yeah, so it, it, I mean he has become a completely different player than who he was when he was at Fulham. I mean, yeah, that's now years ago. But he was a boss in the midfield. He was always the biggest guy, the most athletic guy, and I feel like yeah. when he got to Spurs, he became this this sort of lumbering giant who had no real edge to him yeah so this season you're starting to see that come out again and it's exciting and if he continues i think he's definitely a viable yeah i mean at 5.3 it's not like you have to play him every week um yeah but obviously he's like someone you'd want to approach with caution i mean as he does have two goals in the last three games but he doesn't he didn't have any goals or assists in the in the uh, first nine weeks of the season and uh, wasn't really even playing that often if Chadley comes back before the end of the year, as predicted. That may cause some trouble for Dembele's position. Yeah, Chadley, because Ch- Chadley just offers uh, quite a bit more speed and athleticism. Yeah, that's that. That, that is true. So uh, you know, approach with Jelly Ka- Ellie is the player that I, I would plan to bring in if I was if I was bringing in a Spurs midfielder. Yeah. Uh, the defenders are interesting too. I mean, Danny Rose. I was waiting for yes. this guy to come back into play. He was one of my favorite players of last season. This guy. He, I mean, awesome. on his day, he's up there with the likes of Bellerin and Luke Shaw. Um, yeah, assists in all three of the last three games. The assist uh, he had to Harry Kane in this game was was tremendous. Yeah, he's offered points, some some f- form of points in all four of the games so far. He had a, a clean sheet and three bonus points in uh, the nil nil draw with with um, with uh, Liverpool. Uh, and no, no clean sheets, but assists in all of the last three games, uh, in, including two bonus points in the last game. So he's picked up five bonus points. Um, he's averaging something like, I guess, right around six points right now, and he's only five point two. So great, great option. Yeah. Also at five point two, Eric Dyer, uh, Mister Goofball. I can't look at that yeah. guy and think about the rocks that are rolling around in his head. <laughs> but his attacking points only seem to come. Um, They've off been a little of, fluky. Of set, yeah, a little. yeah. I mean, the goal that he scored against Man City was a complete joke of a goal. 
Yeah, there's there is a lot more purpose to the way Danny Rose plays. Yeah, and, and Danny Rose is great last year too. Much yeah. much more consistent. Danny Rose is definitely the option on that Tottenham team. So you, yeah, you take him because he's also far cheaper than Alderweireld and Vertonghen. I mean, far by like point one or point right. three. All right, so that's your game week twelve review in a nutshell. Uh, we're going to come back next week to put you through the optimizer for game week thirteen. But before we leave you, we've got some questions from. Are cheaters out there in the Twitter sphere? Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so so we're yeah we're going to answer a few of these for you. Okay, we so take let's off. run through. We already ran through a couple of them earlier on in the podcast, but uh, uh, okay. So the first question comes from Tom B nineteen eighty Tom Butcher who asks, "Is it crazy to hold Pyatt until the next game week? Uh, he wants to do Lukaku to Boney. We wonder if maybe he means Boney to Lukaku because that Lukaku doesn't really wants, make sense. Yeah, does it? yeah." Uh, and have Alexis Mane, KDB Mares, um as the midfield. Um, squad at 1.106.1 uh, million, so take the cash hit. So I think what he's basically arguing, if, I, if I'm reading this correct, correctly, is, like, you know, is it crazy to hold on to Pyatt because his value is going to be dropping so much over the next game week, right? Right. While we're waiting, you know, because obviously he's going to fall at least point. I mean, so the most you ever fall is point three. Um, the thing is, when you buy a player, assuming that you've had Pyatt early on, those those drops only hurt you a little bit in a way because um, you can only sell him at a certain value anyway, right? Like if you go if you buy him at seven point eight and he goes up to eight point four, you can only you can only you know the the price you can you can sell him at is eight point one, right? So you're, so you're not losing all that much, you know, I mean, because, because of the way it halves. Right. Pyatt so, goes down by 0.2. You, you may only be losing a, a point, very 0.1. Yeah, exactly. 0.1. And, um, and even if false 0.3, I mean, if you've got other moves to make, I, I, that seems like the, I mean, that seems fine to me. Like if, if he meant Boney to Lukaku, then, you know, and his midfield looks fine, right? Alexis Mane, KDB Mares. Um, I think that's fine. I mean, you know, I, I, he started dropping like 0.5.6, you know, which he which he, he might fall 0.6 over the next two game weeks, considering how high his ownership is. I definitely wouldn't wait more than than one week, but I think one week is fine, right? I mean, 0.3. I, I understand the you know how how nice it is to or how valuable it is to have players that you that you buy low and sell high, yeah. right? It's just it gives you a lot of flexibility. I've been in this situation with Andre Ayew some for some time. He's just been sitting on my bench, losing value, and I've had other things to to take care of on my squad and I haven't been able to get rid of him and you just have to accept that fact. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, you know, it's I I don't think it's worth the the point hit certainly just because his value is dropping that much. Yeah, okay. What's next? Okay. Uh next question is from El Magico 21. Uh who's someone uh, on Twitter who I think is very uh insightful in general and someone that I uh I always enjoy getting some questions from. Or feedback from um, says uh, question for your next podcast is um, is if you'd rather play a three four three or a three five two uh, with uh, and in the words of parentheses with with a Gallo or uh, Ayosi Perez uh, when Aguero is back in your squad. So, so, so what really I assume a- he means here is he is basically looking to scale back dramatically with his front three and right. keep a lot of value in the midfield. So right. he's able to squeeze Aguero back in. So we have talked about this before um, on the podcast, and the, the the problem that I have is I have I, I find it very hard to have the self control to not start a 
to not to, to rotate a third striker out a lot because the problem is strikers can be such form players probably more than anywhere else on the pitch a striker and a striker in good form is just liable to go off and no matter what game they play in so if you had a game for example where a gallo scored like two goals at home and then the next match was a slightly tricky i mean sometimes it's obvious right like you know but you're not playing away to man city every week um, you know, so let's let's say it was like a way to Southampton or something, right? Mm-hmm. Where certainly the odds are he won't do anything, but if he just scored two goals in the last game week, it's so hard to rest him. You know, it's so hard to rest those cheap those cheap um, third third strikers when they're on form. Um, so I guess if you if you if you're able to have the like if you have the, if, the, if you have the stomach for it, and you can just bench a player who is performing really well. Um, as I apparently have been able to do with Jack Butland, um, <laughs> then, uh, then I think it makes sense. But um, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, this really—if if there were ever a season to play a three-four-three, this is probably the season, right? Three-five-two, uh, uh, you mean? Or three-five-two? Excuse me. Yes, three-five-two. Uh, yeah, I I totally agree with that statement. I'm just very fearful of with five guys in the midfield. There's going to be some inconsistency. Yeah. And strikers, their main task is to get goals. And while goals are hard to come by, you're going to get more goals from your front three as opposed to your midfielders. Right. I just think your odds of getting a better score are with a 3-4-3. Three, three. I, think, I think so, too. Um, I think long term that is the case. Uh, in so the short, I guess I yeah. guess what I'm saying there is I wouldn't go out of my way to build a team for a three-five-two if it happens to make sense for a few weeks. Absolutely, yeah. that could make a lot of sense, particularly this season. But a three-five-two long-term setup, I don't think is going to do well for you. Yeah, because just ultimately, would you rather have? I feel like the the money that I'm going to use to bring in uh, Aguero is going to come from my midfield because. Yeah, I mean, I think I guess you said it right. It's just that you're ultimately you're just going to get more consistent points from a third striker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over the over the long haul. I mean, I know that the first ten weeks of the season, it is like it's been the season of the mid. It's the midfield plus Vardy, you know, yep. and you can have five midfielders and Jamie Vardy up front, and you're going to score a ton of points. Yeah, uh, but I think over the long term, you want to find a third striker. Yeah, uh, you know, and someone who has a little more, and also the, just the problem is, you know, this is also something we talked about in an earlier podcast. If you've got that five million striker, it can be hard to to save up enough money to, you know, let's say they, they get really out of form, uh, and you want to bring in someone else, you're you're kind of stuck making a lateral move. You know, it's hard to like find three million to turn, um, you know, a Jose Perez into uh, Pele or something like that. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're basically um, trying to get Aguero back into your squad at that point. Agallo, I, I mean, Agallo does change the game a little bit uh, because he's just he's doing so well this season, mm-hmm. um, and really is. And someone brought this up um, on uh, one of the forums, but he's, I mean, he, he, really, he's he would be the perfect third striker for a three-five-two because. Um, you know there are going to be fixtures like like Man City away where he's we 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 would want to play him, mm-hmm. um, and even like a like a Leicester away like oh actually I don't know like he wasn't really a factor at all in that Leicester game was he? Not terribly. No. So you know you could you could get away with benching him a little bit. I don't know. I, I think in general I like to, I like a three four three and it's 
Um, part of it is I've just, you know, in all the years we've been doing this, you're, you're almost, you're, it always behooves you to have a 343. Yeah. All right. The, the next question for us is from at Seth Stillman7, who asks, I've been keeping an eye on Arnatovich, and he grabbed another. Is he a player to look at now? And also, are Swansea players a no go? Now, astute listeners will notice that we've already discussed Arnatovich, <laughs> and I think we're. We're yeah, really, leaning towards kind of a go. Uh, yeah, kind of a, like a little, like a hat, like more like a watch. You yeah, know, yeah, you, you yeah. wouldn't be crazy. <laughs> we we uh, wouldn't be crazy. How, yeah. are you, how are you feeling about Swansea? Do you have any Swansea players in your squad right now? Uh, no, I don't. Um, yeah, I guess they are a no go. And now I'm getting worried about my my boy Gary Monk. I, yeah. mean, uh, I mean, that team is in total free fall right now. I, I don't understand it. Right, I mean, everyone's talking about the Chelsea freefall, but what is going on with uh, with? It's so difficult to yeah, pinpoint where it all started going wrong. You look at that team that beat Manchester United two one, yeah. and they looked like world beaters. And Gary Monk was a genius. He was going to be the next England manager. I know, and they lost. Got- they lost one zero to Norwich. That's insane. <laughs> I, I think a lot of it does start with Gummies. Uh, I mean, he is insanely out of form. Like yeah. it, it, for a while, there was just out of form, and now it's like the guy can like he can't find the ball under his feet. So you've got garbage. Then it then it's promoted to hot garbage. Then it's promoted <laughs> to flaming garbage. Gomez right. is basically now he's like a, dum- a he's, he's a dumpster he's like, fire. Yeah, I think no, I think he's just like a pile of ash. Like he's <laughs> he's the garbage that's already been consumed by flames, and it's he's to rubble. exist. Yeah. Wow, Gomez is rubble. Wow, that you know. I think you're right, and uh, that so you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe you have to bring in the Death Eater. You know, like and <laughs> yes. just you just. I can't believe they haven't. They haven't. What's surprising to me is they haven't really seemed to. They haven't mixed things up very much. I mean, they they you know um, Sigurdsson was was benched for a little while, which seems like kind of an odd move. Yeah, very odd. Yeah, um, but it, it, it does seem like he's sticking with the team that. That performed so well at the start of this. I mean, it, 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 it yeah. feels very poorly managed because guys like Sigurdsson, which were the glue of that se- of that team last season, he's yeah. he's been pushed out of that squad by AU and by John Joe Shelby. Yeah, and I still think we're talking about a, a fairly limited sample size. I mean, it hasn't been a great four week stretch for them, but they, you know, they did, they had a nice win at Aston Villa, a nice comeback win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they drew a Tottenham just a few weeks ago. I mean, we're only really talking about two bad matches here. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Arsenal loss at home, which is, which is forgivable. Uh, the Norwich loss, which kind of isn't forgivable, but, but isn't the end of the world either. I mean, their, their next match is at home to Bournemouth. So, I mean, would you really, I mean, you're not going to drop IU before the Bournemouth match, are you? I can't play him. No, yeah, you don't think so. I mean, it's just, it, I mean, but that, that I mean, yeah. The I don't problem know. is, in yeah. order for me to play AU, I have to bench Mares, Ozil, De Bruyne, or Alexis, and all of those guys are unbenchable at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, the well, guy, the guy yeah. who is in the the least form of all of those is Alexis Sanchez. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I, everyone sort of assumed IU was a guaranteed goal against Norwich, who were missing their captain and central defender, uh, George R. Russell Martin, dances with the Dragons, and they still couldn't manage even a goal there. I don't even yeah. know if they got a shot on goal. 
Yeah, and he scored he scored at home and away this year. He scored away to Aston Villa. He scored uh, scored away to Chelsea in game week one. So it's it's not like he's a you know like one of those players that only performs well at home. But yeah. I'll tell yeah. you this: the move I'm planning for game week thirteen involves scrapping IU for extra money to upgrade my defense. Yeah, well, that, that's fair. I. It seems, yeah, I, I feel like it would be hard for me not to not to play IO at home to Bournemouth. Uh, but certainly after that match, I would think. I don't know. I guess we'll see. We'll know more after game week 13. It certainly seems like now is if you haven't scrapped, scrapped your, your Swansea players, you, you should be doing so. But um, I guess you've got to wait one more week. Well, I mean, our earlier discussion about form over fixtures, uh, we think this is the season to play form. And if that's true, that Bournemouth fixture is meaningless. Swansea's yeah. form is so terrible. That is true. But the international breaks a way of change. Yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> you can talk yourself into anything. That's the problem. Yeah, that's with true. FBL. That's true. Yeah. All right. Um, what's the next question? All right. Next question is, uh, what do we do about company? That's from black horse, Cav 85, Jim Payne. And I don't, I don't really know what he's talking about here. Let's let's look at old Vincent company. <laughs> I think he's asking about do we get him or do we not get him. I will tell you this. Watching uh, watching the last couple of City games, their central defense, particularly Otamendi. Otamendi is really growing into the league, and I like the looks of him. He's playing very confidently. Yeah. He's going strong into all of his tackles. I mean, Vincent Company was injured for a while. He's come back in the last—he's played the last three game weeks, and they've had clean sheets in two of those three game weeks. Um you know, he's the heart of that defense. Uh, well, I guess he and Hart sort of together are like the, the real core of that defense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, eight points to, I, I know it looks like he's got a little knock right now. So yeah, that we'll could see. Be, that, that could be the classic international break, fake, yellow fake flag. Knock. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, you know, the next match is at home to Liverpool. I mean, you could certainly see them, you could see a goal in that match, but um, I think long term you're really fine with uh, with Vincent Company. I mean, seven clean sheets already in the season. Yeah, I mean, take and that's it, and that's, that's having missed uh, four game weeks. It's it's a it's an embarrassment of riches in this Man City defense. It's hard to know who to go with. Kolarov has the offensive firepower. Otamende and Company um, have those central defender bonus point capabilities, and then, that is. That is incredible, by the way, not to interrupt you, but um, so Vincent Company has played the full 90 in eight matches or eight, eight, eight game weeks, eight of the 12 game weeks so far. He was injured for four weeks. Of the eight game weeks that he played in, they've kept a clean sheet in seven out of those eight game weeks. And He's also, the, the one where they didn't get the clean sheet was that Joe Hart Howler against Norwich. Right, right. So and they, he, yeah. should have, he should be eight for eight. He should be eight for eight. Uh, he's already on five bonus points. Uh, he scored two goals. Uh, I'd say he's pretty consistent. I know that um, the the manager was thrown a fit for a while because he went away when, when didn't play for Belgium when he should have been recovering. And so I guess if he goes and plays two matches again, maybe maybe there's a risk there. But I think in general you're really pretty safe with with company on that team. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question is so this one's a little long. So this is this is our last question. So it's appropriate that it's a long one. <laughs> I want to know your opinion on taking hits because I think this is from Seth Stillman. Uh, I want to know your opinion on taking hits because I think the practice of taking a four to eight point hit is a necessity to the game. Uh, you have to spend money to make money uh, would be the analogy I'd reach for. 
Uh, I would take the calculated risk and bring in a player in form with a good matchup over a player in okay form in a bad match all day. So this is, actually, it's an appropriate question. It sort of wraps up the theme that we've been talking about all episode. Yeah, it's, this has been a very philosophical podcast. <laughs> Maybe it was the like 55 minutes that we spent getting all our audio taken care of. It put us in a reflective yeah, mindset. Yeah, yeah. Sorry the audio has been a little bit of a nightmare the last couple of episodes. But we're, no, we're, 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 we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I think, um, okay, so taking hits. I know we've talked about this a little bit before. I, I have taken a couple, I've taken hits a couple times this year. Uh, How many? Like twice? Three times? Once? Twice. I've taken them twice. One time it worked out very well. One time it worked out uh, extremely poorly. Um, and I think, um, well, the, the one time I took a hit, it was it was an actual disaster. It's one of the reasons I'm doing so badly this season, which was that I brought out Kolar off because the manager said that Kolar would be out for several weeks, and it turned out he was out for like uh, four days. Blame the manager. <laughs> well... I you know I mean if 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 you're a fantasy player and the manager says this guy's not going to play for several weeks I think it is reasonable to to think about bringing him out okay so but it actually but it gets to a central point which is that making a t- taking a four point hit to bring in a defender is not something I'm particularly inclined to do I, I understand that it is a long term investment um, this is true whether you make it a whether you take a four point hit to bring in a defender midfield or whatever. Uh, but you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong for a. Def- just sometimes it's it's not always worth it for one for that one game week. You'd rather just wait till the next game week because any number of mistakes can can prevent you from getting a clean sheet. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. I one mean, of the weeks know, that I burned four points was uh, I brought in Craig Dawson and Nathaniel Klein for some reason. Dawson ended up getting a clean sheet, but Klein not so much. Yeah, and it was it was a wash. Another yellow card in this game week. Yeah, uh, yeah. Klein has not been a good pickup <laughs> at all. That that it could, just goes to show you all your best intentions when you're burning those points, and you're always when you burn the point you um, points you immediately look at the best case scenario. Yeah, but and you believe I, you're doing the right thing. But you have to, you know, you got to, you got to, th- you can't see it in a in a one game vacuum either because I burned four points. I think in the fourth game week uh, to bring in Alexis Sanchez. And the first, the, and I capped him that first game week, and I, did, I didn't get anything from him, uh, or you know, I think I got a, I think I got three points doubled, um, and I was like, oh god, like I can't believe I just burned four for this. Uh, but then the next game week was that game week where he had um, his hat trick, yeah. um, and obviously, um, and because I burned the points, and I brought in some a player who was a bit of a differential, not not a huge differential, but a bit of one because he had started really slowly this season. Um, so I was able to make up some ground that I wouldn't have made up otherwise because I, I probably wouldn't have brought him in after, after his three point, um, three point performance at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would, I don't know if I would have brought him in before that Lester match. I, I almost certainly wouldn't have. So I think, uh, you know, it can, it, it can really behoove you to take a four point hit sometimes. Um, but I would be much more inclined to do it for a midfielder or a forward. Yeah. I'm not a big fan at all. No, no. You, I feel like you take more hits than I do though. I I've taken hits twice this season. Um, one one was that case I just mentioned, and the other was I brought in Sanchez, De Bruyne, and Vardy. That and yeah. that was well worth it. Well worth Is, it. Do you feel like that's a change from previous years? I feel like in previous years you've taken more hits than that. You, yes, you're more I, have, I have been inclined to take a lot of hits in previous years, and I've gotten burned a lot. And maybe that's just because I'm not playing the game correctly. Um, and I'm making bad transfers. Yeah, because you, you've got to be feeling pretty good about your how your year's going so far, right? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're in the top four hundred thousand, how could you not be feeling really good? <laughs> I've had I've had more good fortune than I have had in years past. I've, I've just been I've just been making really terrible captaincy decisions. Is is the only problem? Yeah. Well, this this last week was kind of tough. I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, outside, like you said, outside of Vardy, it was a uh, it was a tough one. Yeah. All right. Well, we're always willing to answer your questions. Uh, you can check us out at Hail Cheaters. That's our Twitter account where we field a lot of those, and um, we'll take your questions leading into game week thirteen for the next next week's pod too. All right, Brandon. So uh, we will see you uh, hopefully if you're in New York and you're going to BlazerCon. Uh, tweet us or send us an email, whatever. Yeah, we'll try and uh, link up. Yeah, exactly. Love to get a drink and uh, watch the. Watch us take on St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Uh, which, which, which is the country that sounds most like a band from Brooklyn, I think. I, I feel the same way. It's sort of like there's a town in New Jersey called Perth Amboy. And that, to me, just sounds like the name of the band, doesn't it? This is, this is like a British, like like a 60s, like, like blue-eyed soul, like British band. It Maybe also sounds Perth like Amboy. something that a, an aggrieved dad would say while standing in the front lawn. Like he, <laughs> he sees his neighbor doing something weird, and he's like, poof, ram boy. <laughs> it does. That's yeah. kind of my feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah, all right. All right. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Leave us a review. Yep, and next week we'll be back with uh, with, with our with our, our one-third of the game week award, or one-third of the season awards. Uh, we'll also do a Rate My Team, and we'll preview game week 13. All right, Josh, take it easy. Uh, enjoy the break, and I'll see you next week. Sounds good. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.